Well, hey, friends, it's Anne Eileen Thompson. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Leader Podcast, where we love to share stories from amazing faith driven leaders. Our guest today is Susie Deering. Susie is a pretty accomplished non-traditional marketer. She's got experience across multiple industries, multiple brands, multiple disciplines. Most recently, she was the global chief marketing officer for the Ford Motor Company. Prior to Ford, she was the global chief marketing and strategy officer of eBay. Prior to eBay, she was the CEO of Moxie, which has been renamed to formerly known as, which is a technology-led marketing agency with about five offices across the country. She also spent 13 years at Verizon, where she was an executive director of media, engagements, brand, and integrations. And her marketing career started off at one of the most respected brands, the Walt Disney Company. She has been recognized as an ad age 40 under 40. She's been recognized as one of Business Insider's top 50 most innovative CMOs as Working Mother of the Year. And she's also been in Adweek's top 50. She sits on the board for Pods, Moving and Storage, as well as Western Union, and she serves as an advisor to a couple of early stage technology companies. She's pretty actively involved at the University of Georgia. That's where she got her Bachelor's of Science in Family and Consumer Sciences with an advertising and marketing focus. And Susie leads from a faith-based approach, as you're gonna hear, and she personally guides her life with the priorities God, family, and work. You'll hear a lot about it in our conversation today. She lives in Bluffton, South Carolina with her husband, Ron. They've got two adult children, Madison and Mitchell, who both are current UGA students, or I think Mitchell is, maybe Madison has graduated, and two fur babies, Stokes and Zeus. You know, to be honest, I hadn't expected Susie to be so down-to-earth, humble, honest, and authentic, but she is all of those things and so much more. You're going to come away feeling like you know Susie as your wise but always learning friend, very much as I have come to know her. So let's jump right into the conversation. All right, Susie Deering, I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Faith Driven Leader Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And what a great name for a podcast. Just awesome. Thank you. You know, it's funny because I, I think that the Lord talks to us in the shower more often than any place else. And that was an idea that came to me in the shower one morning. I just felt like the Lord said, start a podcast and call it the Faith Driven Leader and go interview people who are leaders who are integrating their faith into their leadership. And I thought, okay, I can do that. <laughs> See, it's cleansing of all kind, right? <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Oh, man. Well, I'm just really excited to talk to you today. You know, of, of all the people that I have met on this journey of talking to faith-filled leaders, our initial conversation was just so life-giving to me. And because I find you to be humble and authentic and just so honest about who you are and what your journey has been. So I think that today's conversation is going to bless a lot of people. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, especially coming from you, because it's pretty amazing to see where God has led you. And then just even when we spoke, you were coming back from sabbatical and just being able to share with me kind of what God was laying on your heart. So thank yeah. you for being so open and also for connecting so many people in a, in a place that is safe enriching and also very liberating, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know what, Susie, I want to dive in because, you know, anybody that looks at your resume or looks at your LinkedIn profile would say, wow, this lady has had some pretty high level roles in some pretty big companies, you know, CMO at eBay and the work that you did at Ford and all of those things. You've held some pretty senior roles. And, and I'm curious if you can tell us an example of a time when your faith really impacted a decision you had to make within your role, maybe it was like an organizational decision or a strategic decision where you could look back and say, my faith really played a role in that decision. You know, it's interesting because I would say that any one of the moves that I've made, starting from the very beginning, when I left the Walt Disney Company, which I thought going into that job that that was going to be where I would start and end my career because it was my, that was my dream. It was literally, and it dream. was, it was Disney. Like, why and would you want to stay there? 
Why wouldn't, right? right? So, yeah. and I say it all the time that I was extremely blessed in the sense that, you know, being a marketer and learning from one of the best in the business was phenomenal. Um, And I was given a lot of opportunity. And I think, you know, if I just start there, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I realized is that any big decision that we would make at that point in time, I was engaged about to be married to my husband and we were going to make a big move for his career. And we prayed about it. We prayed about it. And every single time, whether it was from leaving Disney to then move to Atlanta, where I didn't have a job yet and had to open myself back up to kind of discovering what was next to then, you know, moving with Verizon several times and then taking a job on the West Coast. I mean, all of those moments really did put a moment in time for me from a faith perspective, you know, to really trust God and just put it in his hands. And there were many a times that I would tell you doors closed and I was heartbroken at times on, you know, different job opportunities or, you know, moves or other, you know, promotions that maybe didn't work out. And now I, it's always, you know, as it's always said, there is a plan and, you know, here he had it, it was already written. I just, you know, it was always that, that instinct to want to grieve or be upset or, you know, to self-reflect on what you didn't do or you should have done differently. And the reality is, no, the only thing I should have done differently was truly handed over to God. So that just feels so pointed. If there's just really quickly, I would say that, you know, from a inside of a company perspective. And one of the things you and I talked about is, you know, I believe that my beliefs are my beliefs and I am here to inspire. And I hope show and demonstrate God's love and God's, you know, great mercy, but it is also not my job to impose that into an organization. And I do believe it's, I can influence it. There have been times at, from a social um, perspective, you know, when you start looking at different policies or things that which, you know, become very relevant um, across an organization and from their brand perspective or from an employee base. And it's been one of those times that I've used it to say, look, this isn't a personal decision for Susie, but I am going to share what I believe we need in God's likeness. This is how we need to think about it. And I can't say that's always been well-received, but I do believe that it's part of my role. But also I think one of the hardest things, you know, as a faith leader is you have to be able to understand too, that there is a job that you do and there's a influence and a role that you play that, you know, you feel led personally, but you have to be very careful as to how you let those two things come together. Yeah. You know, what's fascinating is across all the leaders I've talked to, and maybe this is just what the Lord has chosen to highlight to me when I think back on all these conversations I've had, but every leader talks about the importance of aligning themselves with the Lord being the bigger priority than aligning their work, like the day-to-day decisions of their work, right? Yeah. The, the most important thing is that, and and you you answered that question by first going to all of my career transitions were things that I prayed about. And there were times when I had to trust, even when I didn't have a plan lined up. And, and that reminder that that the critical component and the probably one of, I think there are a couple of like common threads across a lot of faith-driven leaders, but but one of them, certainly maybe the strongest one is that, that, that they focus first on their relationship with the Lord and recognize that's not always going to be, it's not always going to lead to decisions that the rest of the world might understand, but that's what's first. That's right. Yeah. And I, I like that. how you put that because, and, and, you know, it is, it's a, it's a struggle. And especially when you get into very senior, senior level positions that become very, you know, you become focused on, you know, who's yeah. making that call. And, you know, I think, you know, Nuna, I've shared it that, you know, I have been very open about my priorities, personal priorities, and I always state it that way. These are my personal priorities. And I think that that alignment that you talked about, it is first and foremost, it is about my relationship with my savior. And so I like how you put that in the sense of aligning yourself with God and that that's really, really sits. And then how does that influence? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, we could probably talk for an hour just about that and how that is scriptural and how abiding in the Lord is what gives us our strength and what gives us our 
courage and all of those things. I'm sure we could talk a lot more about that. I, I want to those shift a little bit. So I was thinking about you held these big jobs and big jobs come with big stress. Yes. <laughs> they come with lots of responsibility and big stress. I'm wondering, how did you deal with that when you were in those types of roles? Give us some tips for those that are listening. They're dealing with the stress or maybe, maybe there are tips of what you did, or maybe there are tips of what you did wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It what would you tell us? Both. It totally yeah. is both because look, anybody that thinks that they've got it all figured out, they really don't have a lot figured out in my opinion, <laughs> because they are, they're, you know, the roles are very stressful and the stakes in this, in today's world, I think are even higher just because everything is that much more visible. And mm -hmm. whereas I think before, you know, we like to say that there's moments that you, you know, that you're given grace and it, you, you know, you may make a mistake or it may be the wrong call and that's okay. I think that's harder now. And, yeah. you know, again, because there's so many different points of view and because there's so many different ways that things get shared. So yes, the stress of it, let me just say, I think, you know, one there, I mean, I have journaled when in some of the height of my stress of where just trying to either one fight off, you know, the imposter syndrome, which very often creeps in when you have enormous amount of stress, because it's easy to self-doubt, you know, when you feel yeah. under pressure yeah. and it's I am known to have sticky notes or little notes on my phone that like when I get in those moments of where, you know, I feel like the stress is boiling and therefore I will start to, you know, discount myself. And, yeah. you know, then that means that then you start to lead out of fear and then you make bad decisions and then it, you know, shows up nasty to your employees or those around you. These are all, you know, really kind of circle within the same place. And so, I think where I've been able to kind of take a step back and take a deep breath and really look to a verse or look to a statement that I've picked up in a devotion or just in a conversation with someone that has really, really made a big difference. And the other place, which is, and I noticed this because this is where I got it wrong. You know, one of the reasons why I made the choice to leave forward was because I did feel that my priorities of God, work and family or God, family and work. Good night. God, family and work <laughs> were out of order. And it was that it was work first. Yeah. And, you know, I took a moment to say, look, that's going completely against, and my family called me on it. So, mm. you know, what I found is, is that if I started my day filling my soul with the right, the right amount of goodness that you could hold on to. And I would re I do a lot of devotions on anxiety. I would, you know, really look very specifically to the topics and the feelings. And you got to be vulnerable with yourself to understand what's driving that stress. Um, yeah. Because if you just leave it, you know, really big and broad, then I don't feel like that you really get yourself into a position to where you can truly help and ask for the right help in those moments. So, I, you know, for me, that's, can't tell you that it's always perfect. And I have many a times that I could share where, you know, I, I didn't handle it well. And yeah. I've had to go back and apologize or, you know, really pray about my actions because I didn't yeah. feel like I handled it well. Thank you for being so open and authentic about that. I think a lot of us have that same experience. I was thinking when you were talking about the reality that I've always heard the expression at the really high stress times is when you really see the character of yes. a leader. Yes. And I also recognize for myself, and it sounds like maybe for you, you've had some moments of this too. There have been really high stress periods for me where I have reverted to operating in fear and then been so angry with myself about it later for not recognizing it. But the thing I was thinking about when you were talking was, I think that the reason we get there, we get to this level of stress is actually because of fear. Like we're fearing we won't get the right result, or we're fearing that somebody's going to quit, or we're fearing that someone isn't going to quit, or we're, we're, you know, we're fearing what the market is going to do, whatever that brings us to a point, or we're fearing what the board's going to say that brings us to a level of stress. And then our response is to operate out of that fear and start reacting rather yes. than responding and you're right. It all goes back to what we, what you originally said, like staying connected to the Lord. Yes. So it's interesting. Gosh, probably about 15 years ago, our, our Sunday school class did a whole year on the word fear. Really? When they started, you know, they started the year and said, we're going to study the word fear for a year. I thought, how am I ever going to stay on board with this? Right? Like 
how like really? And it was amazing because you do realize just one, how incredibly that word and how much comes packed with it. And I go back to my notes from that lesson often because I believe there's always a little bit of fear that I think kind of keeps you on edge a little bit. And I'm specifically from a work standpoint that I go, it's not necessarily bad, but when fear overcomes, when fear takes you over, you now are running blind Yeah, because everything gets distorted. There's not a sense of truly, you know, where is the grounding truth anymore? You question yourself, you question your teams, you question so many different things. And, you know, and I think right now, more than ever, we're seeing more and more leaders and organizations that are managing, leading and driving business from a place of fear. And it is probably one of the most disheartening things for me because I just see what it does to yourself. You can see the damage it does to others around you. And at the end of the day, back to your point, like if you stop and reflect, you usually find things in yourself when you you know, recognize that, Hey, I've been, I'm really, this is coming out of a state of fear for whatever that fear may be, you know, being pulled from, but you realize that nine times out of 10, there's a lot of not good things that you, you know, either said or did or thought in those moments. Yeah, I would agree. I think a lot of leaders, whether they're a really senior level leader and they're dealing with, I'm going to get canceled or our, you know, I mean, all of the pressures that just come with very senior roles in big organizations or whether they're in a new hire yes. and, and you still have fear, right? So yes. here's my question. How do you know that you're operating in fear? What are some ways that you can, what are some things that you would tell somebody to ask themselves or some things to observe? Or how do I, how would I self-diagnose that I'm, I'm in this place and I might need a little bit of an intervention? Gosh, that is a one I want to hold on to that question because I think, you know, even we should ask ourselves just even by asking that question right now makes me realize I need to be asking myself the question more often of is this, am I making an educated decision? Am I feeling that I'm leading from the right place in the right spirit? Or is it being led by something else? And, you know, and I think that, you know, if I look back in some areas, one, It comes first and foremost, the only way you can ask that question and get a real answer is you've got to be truthful with yourself. You have to make sure that you're not, you're not pushing down or holding back what is really the truth. And a lot of people, I think have a hard time with that, right? Like they don't want to get real honest with themselves. And I think that that's the first and foremost thing um, is you have to get real honest with yourself. I think the second piece is this worked for me. I don't know that it would work for everybody, but in a couple of places in my career where I realized I didn't feel, I could, the feeling of it, it felt like I was, I had a weighted, a weighted, not a blanket because it wasn't comfy, but just massive cement blocks on you. And that was when I would, would step back and be like, okay, wait a second. I feel like I'm suffocating right now. And what's leading to that? Like what's, what's making me feel. And most of the time, I hate to say it, most of it is in your head. And then when you realize that, oh my heavens, I'm in control of this. Like I have the control. And of course we have the biggest one of all, all control, which is God. Then you go, okay, wait, I can stop this, but I have to put myself in a position to where I'm going to be okay with it. That I have to reconcile myself with like, you know, how I'm acting or the decisions I'm making, or, you know, that I may be headed down the wrong path. And you know, I think that it's interesting to me because this one thing that I was going to say is, you know, I'm an ENTJ. So Myers-Briggs, if you go do, of course, you know, those of us who have been in the corporate world or business world, we've probably done a bazillion of those personality things. Yeah. And one thing that I did notice is, is that I went back and all the things that make me an ENTJ and, you know, push me and make me, you know, put me into a, a more of a leadership type of position are all the same things that when I'm under stress or I feel my back is against the wall, work against me. Yep. That really helped between obviously going into scripture and being very intentional, which would be my number one place that I would tell everybody to start. There's so many good places now, you know, even if somebody's new in their walk, the Bible app, go in there and search devotions on certain topics. You're going to come up with some of the best 
just nourishment. The second thing is look at your personality trait, because I think if you look at your personality and you understand that, then you're going to realize what's working against you and how do you again, use your mindset and your prayer to truly start to, to direct you where you need to go versus letting something become these bricks and just weigh down on you so much. Yeah. I love so much of what you said, and I'm just going to build on it a little bit. I was thinking when you were mentioning the thing about the personality test, one, one of the things I've learned over the past many years is that, you know, the enemy will go after us in the area of our strength, what God designed for our strength, the enemy is trying to attack. Yes. And what the enemy is trying to attack is actually probably where your strength is like, so depending on where you are, you can get a clue into, into what's happening. That's by right. looking at those things. And and I, it's, you know, every personality test, if you read the detail of it, will show you this is the shadow of that's this right. strength. And and I, I think that's such a good point. The the other thing I was thinking, and I, I also love the point you made about feeling it in your body. You know, if you're making a decision or you're in your, you can feel your heart pound in, in a way that doesn't feel healthy <laughs> or you're not you, sleeping, you're not sleeping. You, I mean, you can feel it in your body so often. But the other thing, here's here's another clue that I always I do for myself and I do for other people when they are in this place and I suspect they might be leading out of fear is I'll ask them, tell me why that's the right decision. Such a good question. Right. And they'll say, well, because blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, well, wait a second. Are any of those things fears? Because, well, this is the right decision because if I don't do this, then so-and-so is going to quit. Uh, because right. if I if I do this, then I'll avoid losing that. The board won't be upset with me. Then I can go, wait a second. So what you're saying is the reason that that's a good decision is because you're trying to deal with a fear. It's not always bad. It's not always bad, but it's so that is a clue to go back and say, wait a second, am I making this decision from the right place? That's so exactly. I, I love that. I love that. The, the only other one I was thinking of is asking somebody you trust. That's right. Who would be honest with you. And to be honest with you, I mean, again, I, you know, I, I share that, you know, good or bad, my family is very good at keeping me in check. I think that's a really powerful place because if you ask yeah. those that, you know, are going to be honest with you, number one, you have to be prepared for what feedback they give you. Like they might say, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think one of the things, Anne, that you were talking about, and, and again, you know, I have worked with somebody, a very dear friend of mine who does a lot of work around spiritual warfare. And when you talked about like the enemy goes after, and it's very interesting to me because I remember the first time hearing that word spiritual warfare. And I, it, it kind of took me back. I was like, gosh, it feels so, so strong, really getting underneath it and understand that, you know, Satan is very strong and he is evasive. And by the way, it is a real thing. And yeah. What I found when I was going through an exercise with her on spiritual warfare was, you know, that one, there's certain verses that I immediately turn to. And I share very often when I find, you know, especially family members or friends, very dear friends that may be going through a moment because I'm just like, you know, just start putting that into your, into your heart and, yeah. you know, and warding off. But what I find really interesting when you go in and you really look at spiritual warfare in some cases, it's strange because I automatically, you know, when you realize that fear is very often because it's attacking something else, all of a sudden you feel like you have something now. It's like, now you realize there's something you can go fight. And that's yeah. so strange, but it's like, okay, it's not just me. Like there's something else that's trying to, to crack, you know, get like crack in at, at my heart and my goodness and what I really you know, where I am personally with the Lord. And so therefore you feel like now you have an, you know, the enemy and by knowing the enemy also makes you feel like, okay, I got this. Cause I can, I, with God, I can conquer this. I don't know. It's a really strange piece, but that spiritual warfare, I think is something that maybe we don't talk enough about because I do believe it, it really is at the core of where a lot of that fear is driven from. Totally. Totally. I couldn't agree with you more. We could, maybe we'll have another conversation, another podcast specifically about spiritual warfare, because boy, that's a topic I could talk a lot about as well. <laughs> okay. Scary, so you, it's, scary. <laughs> it's a little scary sometimes, but it's, but, but it doesn't have to be to your point. Like once you understand it, you can, you can walk more clearly and more firmly in your identity as a heir of Jesus Christ who defeated all those enemies. So exactly. we have, we have the same power and more. That's what he says. That's in scripture, exactly so. right. 
Okay, I'm going to go back to you. You kind of casually alluded to that you stepped down at Ford. And, you know, the last time you and I talked, we talked a, a bit about stepping down and the mm -hmm. act of stepping down. And, yep. and I've, I've talked to plenty of leaders, some of whom probably should step down. And for whatever reason, probably a fear-based reason, they don't. But I've also talked to a lot of leaders who have made the hard and humble choice to step down. Tell us a little bit about that decision for you. It is hard. And it was very emotional still even now. And it's almost a year to the day that oh, wow. I left Ford. And, you know, it was a very, very tough several months of really prayerfulness, a lot of help and support for my family. And I, I think the moment that I shared with you was I knew I was commuting from South Carolina to Detroit. It was not necessarily supposed to be this way, but it ended up being this way that I commuted every Monday night to Detroit and then I came back on Thursday night. And you know what? In the big scheme of things, I wouldn't tell you that that was not like you couldn't withstand that. But what I found is, is that it wasn't just the commute and the absence, the absence of being in the home and so mm -hmm. forth. But it was also here I have a child who's in college and a daughter who's in the work world and a husband who I adore and I all of, a, all of a sudden felt like I was becoming farther and farther detached mm. from them and not at anything that they were doing and not because we weren't spending time together. It's just what I found is, is that even the time that I was with them, I wasn't with them. Yeah. And my mindset was, my head was so distracted. There was so much in there that was distracting me and it was fear led. It was fear led because I was fearful that I was not going to be able to you know, to get things done that needed to be done or that I wasn't going to live up to the expectations or, you know, whatever the case is. And the fear was both yeah. work-related and personally related. I realized that I didn't like the person I had become as a sister or as a daughter or as a mother, as a wife, as a friend. I had just neglected and truthfully, my priorities were so challenged. And I had always said, if my priorities, if God and family are challenged, the third thing will fall apart. Mm -hmm. And that is when I took a step back and thought, this is the test. God is putting me in a test right now. Yeah. My son put his arm around me. We were in Athens, Georgia. He goes to University of Georgia. We had gone out that morning for breakfast. We were headed back home. And, and I will do my best not to get emotional on this. Mm -hmm. But he put his arm around me and said, mom, I know you're not happy and it doesn't matter. It, no job, no title. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And he, I mean, at that moment, it was, it was, it sounds strange, right? Because it felt like all of a sudden I had permission. Yeah. Cause you don't want to, you know, I, I mean, it, I hate to say this because it seems so egotistical, but like you fight these things of thinking, okay, but I'm the global CMO of Ford Motor Company. I wrestled with the same thing when I left eBay. Like I'm the global CMO of eBay. And I found out my children didn't care. Right. And the one yeah. who really didn't care is God. Yeah. What he did care was I wasn't putting my time with him. I had sacrificed my time with him. I had sacrificed my time to myself. I had sacrificed my time with my family. And so I was very open about it. It wasn't Ford. It was me. And it was a decision that I had to make. But I'll tell you, there's been, I still wrestle with it, you know, at times. And yet I would sit here and tell you, I've never been happier. I've never felt more fulfilled. I don't care. It's so interesting. I just don't care about the title anymore. The things I do care about, I get to choose the time I spend. Yeah. And I think that that's, and I'm still, I, you know, I will say I'm still getting used to that because it, yeah. you know, when they announced, I'll give you another just very transparent moment. They just announced, you know, it's only been a few months ago that they announced my replacement at Ford and I was not prepared for how I was going to feel that day. Mm -hmm. It was like yeah. that slot is now full, right? Like even though I had made the that door is closed. Yeah. That door was closed. Yeah. And it was closure in many ways, but it also it was such a weird day for me because I never even thought that that day would kind of even rattle me. And it did. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? That 
you know, I stepped down from a big role also. Yes. And and took a long sabbatical. I think that's what originally brought us together to talk and compare stories. And I often think if I had it to do over again, knowing what I know now about where to root my identity, where to get my affirmation, where to put my trust mm-hmm. more solidly, could I do it again? And and I think this is an interesting question because if there's a, I'm imagining there's some listeners out there who would say, yeah, but at this stage of my life, I need to be working. I need to be in this job and I, and I like this job and I want to be in this job, but gosh, I am disconnected from the Lord and I am disconnected from my family. Can I have both? Hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're into the, into your time away. So I, I don't know that either one of us has a perfect answer to this yet, but is it possible to be fully connected to the Lord, fully connected to your family? And work a big job with lots of responsibility, a senior leadership role. Is it possible in your mind? Yes. And I'm glad yeah. you made that statement because I do, I fear at times that, you know, somebody may look and say, well, of course, you know, you've had a really long career and, you know, I'm sure financially you may be in a position that you can make that call. And, you know, I get asked that a lot because when we made the decision, my husband was going to stay home and everybody was like, well, of course, you know, because you all were, in the- oh, we weren't. Right. <laughs> when that decision right. was made, we weren't. What we realized is, is that it, our, our lifestyle would have to change and adapt. And I think back to your point, if somebody is early in their career, in the middle of their career, or they're somewhere in their career and they don't even know if it's the beginning, middle or end, like don't know. I still believe you have a choice. It goes back to fear. Nine times yeah. out of 10, If you are choosing to fill every second and every thought with work and therefore not letting anything else get in, including your own health, including obviously the time with your family or with friends and your time with God, if you aren't letting anything else in, that's on you. Because if you do make a call, let's just say that you, you know, there's a decision that's made that I'm going to take a family day. And because I just have a, I've just, there's a moment that I feel like I've just got to clear my calendar and I need today and it's unexpected, but I got to do it. Number one, that shouldn't come as a shock to those around you because you should have already been very transparent about where your priorities were. So if you set the stage nine times out of 10, people aren't then surprised, right? Right, right. The second thing is if you set the stage and they're not surprised by when you make that decision, then how you basically craft your day needs to also be very transparent because then it gives others around you. Now, if you're in a situation where all of a sudden you have someone, either your immediate leader or the organization at large is not receptive to that. And there are going to be leaders that are going to be like that. Then I'd say, you know what? That's a choice that you have to make. You have to make a choice that says, then this may not be the right environment for me to be in. but you know, I've I just recently was counseling someone, mentoring them, and they're in a similar situation right now. They feel like that they, you know, they aren't doing any of their jobs or their roles well, and they feel that, that they're too distracted by work that they're not really fulfilling in other places. And I said, then you know what? They said, you know, we, and I, I feel like I'm not even doing my job well, and I feel like the shoe's going to drop and the shoe's going to drop that they're going to be let go. And I said, then you take your shoe off. Don't let it drop. Yeah. You have to be in be in as much control as you possibly can. Right. And I think that that's where the fear comes in is, do you yeah. really want to control it? Because are you fearful of what the outcome is? And and so often it's, it does come back to, I'm fearful if, if this isn't the right season for me to be working in this type of a role, well, what does that do to my career or what does that do to my income potential? Right. Or, and that all comes back to, are you trusting that the Lord has plan? Right. right. Which is hard. It's hard in price. Really easy to say. It's really not easy to do. But it's you know, to be fair. It does. It takes practice. Yes. You, that's exactly what you're saying, which is it, it is really hard and anything hard. You know, I've had athletes in my family and, you know, I always look and say training is a real thing. There's a reason why it's not you just are an athlete and you're an athlete. Right. It is a real thing. You have to make sure that you truly are putting it into practice constantly and reminding yourself over and over again. 
Yeah. It's not just a switch. Yeah. Or off. So good. Such a, such a cool conversation. I, I do. I agree with you. I think it is possible to have a role like that and have your priorities and stick with your priorities the way you want it. And, and you're going to have to fight for it. You are. You're going to have to fight for not it. Just, it. It's not just fighting other people. It's, it's mostly like you're going to have to fight your own oh, desire for the praises of other people and your desire for more money and your desire. It's just these things that we yep. are wired with as humans that we have to kind of decide how are we going to let them motivate us? Are we going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Yeah. And maybe on that one too, though, you know, just a really practical thing. It, it helped me. And I didn't actually start doing this until probably, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. But it was when I was being introduced to a new team at a new at a new brand when I started there. And I decided to do a ways of working with Susie document. And in that document, it literally outlined very first thing was here are my priorities, God, family work in that order. They're my own personal priorities. And here's what that may sometimes show up, how it may show up to you. And I was very practical in the sense of sharing. Now, again, I will tell you, I've shared it in most of the organizations I've been in. It hasn't always been well-received, but that's okay too, because I always state they're my priorities, not others. But I think that if you, then you walk it, don't just say it, if you practice it, it's amazing as to how others will just recognize it. And they'll be like, yep, got it. Simple things. The dinner table, that is my time. There's not a device anywhere near. There is nothing in this world that for 30, 45 minutes, I can't close out and just focus. And my team would know it. They would know it. I'm not going to answer the phone between six and seven or what. Yes, I love that. That's just so practical. I love that idea. Ways of working with Susie. That's awesome. All right. I want to go back to after you step down, at Ford, you've mentioned, alluded to, it's it's been a year. Tell us a little bit about what you did. You know, the, the last time we talked, you talked about, you, you had a couple phases <laughs> of how you've spent that time. Tell us a little bit about those phases and what they were. Give us some, some insight into that. Yes. So when I stepped down, it was in December. So it was kind of nice because it was the holidays. So that gave me, a, I would say a little bit of a buffer because it was like immediately I went into the holiday holiday mode. But the phases that I actually went through was one enrichment. And my enrichment phase, how I got to that was just when I sat down again over, you know, I would say several weeks of just pouring out for me. It's usually writing and writing out like, how did I feel I did a lot of prior to me even stepping down from Ford. I did a lot of soul searching of when I've been at my best, what did it look like? So I could try and understand kind of just dis- really kind of dissect, you know, all of the different um, components. So when I got into this enrichment phase, I realized that there were a couple of things. One, I wasn't spending the time with the Lord that I really wanted to spend. Two, I was not spending the time with my family or friends. And so that was part of it. And my health. Although I was healthy, I wasn't sick, but I wasn't working out. I didn't have, I mean, I just, I had no other extracurricular thing that I was doing. And so I really made an effort to say the enriching stage was truly just about making sure that I, you know, people say, put your, you know, your oxygen mask on first. And I realized I couldn't help anybody else until I had done that. And that was a really, let me just tell you, that was a very weird thing for me because so not my personality. (laughs) Um, not my personality at all. So my enriching stage and phase. The second thing that I realized during my enriching was I had all this time to read and discover. So discover became my second phase, which was I started reaching out to people in my network, being connected to great other people, you know, within my network of network of people. And, you know, hence how, how even our paths crossed. And I just started spending time, which I had never had, like started spending time to just talk, no agenda, just, you know, guidance. And I was amazed by how many people freed up their calendar, made the time for me, shared very honestly with me and candidly, in some cases, kind of the rawness Mm -hmm. of receiving that, which, you know, we talked about earlier. But in that discovery phase is where I didn't want to go in with a preconceived idea of what I wanted to do next. 
I knew I had made a commitment to my husband that I would not take the next phone call with the next best job ever, just thinking that I was going to jump right back in. And so therefore I had put, you know, all of the recruiters and everybody else, I had pretty much told that I'm not talking to anybody until the beginning of the year. And then I put a deadline for me to get at least an idea or sense of what I wanted to do next. And I put a timeline on it. And by the end of May of the following years, when I really wanted to kind of have an idea, didn't mean that I needed to land it, but that I needed some type of idea. And it was amazing to just watch God work those two phases. And kind of for me, I need to name this phase because now it's like the phase of growth and, you know, just kind of taking on this new, you know, I started my own advisory role or advisory company, the grit advisory now trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Like, what do I really want the vision for that to be? Cause you know, it's so exciting. It's so new, but I don't know. Those two phases for me were just so eye-opening, humbling, and transformational. Yeah. I love hearing you talk about that. I was wondering what you were calling the phase that you're in now. And I, growth is so good. Or like, I'm just thinking you're, you're in the phase now of like cultivating yes. all these seeds that you planted. I'm curious, which are the practices from enriching and discovering that you're going to continue? Yes. So one is more structure around what do I, less about the time of day and more about, cause I realized that that was also the challenge because when you're in a corporate role, everything is all by the hour. Yeah. And you know that your first call is at 7 a.m. Your last call in the evening may be eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And so therefore everything gets shoved within, you know, the, the hour blocks. Right. So I said, nope, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be, what do I want to make sure that I can get accomplished in a day? Mm. Exercise has continued to be a really important factor. I also don't put it on myself. I don't burden myself with thinking it has to be an hour. It has to be in the gym. It could be that it's a walk during a phone call. It could be that it's 30 minutes. Funny enough, I just bought a, you know, we had dumbbells in our, you know, uh, that my son used to always use. And I was like, oh, I'll just bring him in. If it's just, I got to find 30 minutes in the day and I want to do arm work or some leg work or whatever, I can fit it in. Yeah. So I love that. It's just the freeness of that is just even, it still makes me giggle when I think about it. Cause it's like, <laughs> I would have never been able to do that. So definitely from a workout perspective, my devotion and my time with God and the, my time with God I have found is in the mornings was always where I had carved out at the time. And I've actually found that my time with him, as long as I know that I'm, I'm accomplishing it, it's actually almost been better for me to realize when I need him or not just when I need him, but where I feel that my heart is in the best place. And sometimes in the morning, it may not be. And it may be that it's in the middle of the afternoon. And I think that that to me too, has also been refreshing because it gives me the moment to be able to say, okay, I'm going to, now I can put my heart into this and not feel like I'm just checking a box of here are the steps I'm taking in the morning and how I get ready. Right. So that's been, I think, two of the things that have really been impactful for me from the enriching stage. And the other side is, is that we do a lot now with planning out like time with my, you know, with my mom and, you know, with my siblings, friends, like we do a lot more, you know, making sure that we're actually making time for them versus just letting time happen. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I I think the piece that I took away too from your from some of what you said was this, this thing of like, not letting your, you're in control of your calendar versus your calendar being in control of you. And, and it was, it's interesting. One of the lessons the Lord has taught me over the past couple of years was this idea of he's showing me some things that I was idolizing and I was questioning. I'm like, I'm not idolizing that thing. And, and he asked me the question, are you bending your schedule around it? I remember you sharing that. it was really impactful to actually ask myself the question, what am I bending my schedule around? And are, am I idolizing those things or those people? Right. But am I bending my schedule around God? And I, and it's interesting what, what you just shared about what there are moments throughout the day where I recognize I, I just need to go spend 10 minutes with the Lord right now. Yep. I, I'm not even sure why, but I just feel like I just need to go spend 10 minutes with him. And that means I'm going to bend my schedule around that. That's right. And and it sounds confining, but it's actually freeing. It is so freeing. And yeah, one thing that I did, I had, I don't even know when I did it, but I 
I did, which I set on my Bible app, a little notification that comes through and a very often it, it's not even at the same time, but it pops up and says, you know, do you have a second to pray with the Lord? Oh. And I love it because it's That's just awesome. It's like, it's the perfect little, like just in your hurriedness of a day, you know, and all of the other things, it's just that like, even though you, you know, you know that you're talking to God throughout your day, but to just have that very purposeful moment of reminder, I have found it to be so refreshing. Mm, So good. So good. I I just realized we are running up on our time. Fortunate because I have lots of other things I think we could talk about. And I, I just have more questions for you. So maybe we will set up a second, an encore conversation to continue this conversation, Susie. This has just been so fruitful and inspiring. And thank you for your honesty and your authenticity. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. Well, look, I, you know, I really need to thank you both um, from a personal standpoint and also just for the fun of this. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you and, and to know that you've had such a role, you know, in my journey and, you know, and it, it is, it's a journey. It's not, there's, there's not a finish line. There really truly is a great place. I think for all of us to collectively to kind of come together and help each other and inspire each other. Cause we all need it. We all need it. And yes. so thank you for doing what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Susie. We will talk again soon. Perfect. Wow. So much wisdom and authenticity in that conversation with Susie Deering. I'm so honored and humbled and impressed at her willingness to be so vulnerable and honest with herself and with us. Such a gift to me and to all of us as listeners as well. Here are a couple specific takeaways that I had from this conversation. You know, Susie's had some big jobs and those big jobs come with big stress. And she talked about how she dealt with that stress or how she learned to deal with that stress. She had a couple of ideas around journaling it out, the importance of just sitting down and writing it out, creating sticky notes or notes on her phone to remind her of who she is and her identity, specific scripture verses or devotionals that really stuck with her or spoke to her. She reminded us that the biggest piece was being true to your priorities. God, family, and work. Investing in God first, even if sometimes that takes the shape of first thing in the morning, you're investing in God. But the bigger picture thing that I was really struck by was Susie was reminding us the best way to deal with stress is be vulnerable to yourself to really understand what's causing it. So don't just try to patch it over, but really step back and ask yourself, what's causing my stress? That conversation led into our a big conversation we had about fear, because oftentimes what's behind our stress is fear. So my, my second big takeaway was a couple of the tips that Susie and I talked about for how to know that you're operating in fear. Many times we just get going and we maybe, maybe don't recognize that we are operating in fear. The first thing is we ought to be asking ourselves pretty regularly, am I operating in fear? And then again, this theme with Susie of being truthful with ourselves rather than pushing it down or holding back the truth, just being truthful with ourselves. Susie talked about, and I've experienced too, that sometimes you can physically feel something in your body that maybe it feels like you feel like you're suffocating or your head is pounding or you feel like you've got cement blocks on you that could be a sign that you're operating in fear consider one of the things that you know about yourself sometimes your your very strengths could be the things that can kind of lead you into operating in fear look at scripture and see the contrast that you notice so when you read things in scripture and they talk about peace or they talk about you know, casting all your cares on the Lord. And that feels like, gosh, that doesn't feel like that's realistic at all. That might be a sign that you are operating in fear. Another one we talked about was asking yourself, why am I making this decision? And as you evaluate the reasons you're making the decision, notice if some of them are fear-based. Well, I'm making this decision because if I don't, this will happen. Or because I'm trying to prevent this from happening. And just really asking yourself or asking someone you trust, am I operating in fear? We got to identify it before we can move through it. Third big takeaway, Susie and I talked about stepping down. You know, Susie stepped down from a pretty big role recently. And I thought it was so powerful when she said, she told the story about her son putting his arm around her and saying, mom, I don't care about your title. And just this recognition, our kids, our kids don't care about our titles and God doesn't care about our titles. The only title he really cares about is 
son or daughter and realizing that our careers, of course, are important. The impact that we can have on the world and the impact we can have on the community, of course, those are important. And on the, on the kingdom, of course, that's important. But remembering that God cares more about us and our character and who we're becoming than he does about our titles. Such a good, good reminder. And then the last thing was just this super practical idea that Susie had of creating a Working with Susie document where she listed out her values and she shared how those might show up, like the example she gave of, hey, God, family, and work, that's my priority structure. And what that might look like is if you call me between 6 and 7 p.m., I'm having dinner with my family and I'm not going to answer the phone. I thought that was such a beautiful, just easy thing for any of us to apply a working with what's it like to work with Anne? what's it like to work with you what what would that document look like and how might that be helpful to the folks that you work with or work around but here is my specific challenge for you coming out of this conversation when I really step back and think about it I want to encourage you to consider what is the stress that you're feeling right now what is it that you're feeling stressed about and I want to encourage you to really journal that out sit down and spend some time writing it out, talk it out into a talk to text or something, get to the root of it. And if it's fear that's at the root of your stress, confess it. And then find a scripture or a verse or two to meditate on, something to repeat to yourself. There are plenty of verses in scripture about fear. I think it's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. My favorite one is the one in Philippians chapter four, I think it's six to seven. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving, bring your concerns, your worries to the Lord in prayer, and then know his peace. And I like that one. I love that one because it reminds me, usually the thing that's keeping me from peace is that I'm not asking him. I'm not bringing my anxiety to him. And that's the reason I don't have peace. So simply making that exchange, I'm giving you my anxiety in exchange for your peace is such a good reminder for me. That's one that I often meditate on. I hope that you are loving the Faith Driven Leader. We would really love to hear from you. Do you know someone who might be a great guest or do you have some feedback for us? Please shoot us a DM on Instagram or LinkedIn and let us know. Thank you again to Susie Deering for joining us today. We will chat with you next time on the Faith Driven Leader.